At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Upsize Your Leadership, the podcast about enhancing your effectiveness wherever you lead, whatever your role. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Mike Armour, the Managing Principal of Strategic Leadership Development International, which I founded in Dallas in 2001. Since then, I've coached over 800 executives, managers, and entrepreneurs, and have trained thousands more on four continents. My company's purpose is to provide comprehensive leadership development, which equips leaders to achieve the full potential of their organization. You can learn more about me and the services which we offer at leaderperfect.com. Or, if you need a speaker for an upcoming event, check out my professional speaking page at michaelarmer.com. If you are a manager, there is only one reason that you have your position, to ensure the success of one or more vital functions of the organization. Moreover, you are a manager because the function entrusted to you is too large for one person alone to fulfill. Otherwise, you could fulfill your function as an individual contributor and would not need a team to manage. So, since the function is too large for you to fill alone, Success depends on your ability to leverage your energy and skills, and this leverage comes in the form of skillful delegation. Today, we take up the theme of delegation and provide a checklist to follow in delegating well. Wherever you lead or manage, the next few minutes are sure to upsize your leadership. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I don't know of anyone who questions the importance of delegation in a high-performing organization. Yet, all too often, we see it done poorly or not at all. And one reason that it's done poorly is that managers fail to take into consideration everything which they should address as part of the delegation. For the next few minutes, therefore, I want to provide a map for planning any delegation. Before I do so, however, perhaps we should begin 
by defining the key term in today's discussion. Delegation is the process by which management at any level entrusts a portion of its authority and a subset of its duties to a lower level of the organization. This authority may be entrusted to an organizational unit, an individual, or a group of individuals such as a task force or a work team. Thus, delegation results in a new tier of task responsibilities, a new set of duties for one or more parties at a lower level of the organization. The concept of delegation is rooted in the idea that the party to whom we delegate has the right to act and speak on our behalf and to do so with a certain degree of independence. The very origins of the word delegate underscore this independence in speaking for another party. Let me tell you about that. The ancient Romans had a powerful official who bore the Latin title legatus. That name is the root of our term delegate and related words such as delegation. The legatus was a spokesman for the Roman Senate. The Senate often dispatched him to some distant location to negotiate on their behalf or to announce demands which they were imposing on people beyond Rome's borders. Rome rose to power as the empire of Alexander the Great fell apart following his death. His empire divided into four separate kingdoms, each ruled by a successor to Alexander. Two of these kingdoms, one in Syria, the other in Egypt, became rivals for control of trade in the eastern Mediterranean. Antiochus Epiphanes, who ruled from Syria, decided to extend his domain by seizing the throne in Egypt. He marched south with a huge army to the alarm of the Roman Senate. The Senate had its own ambitions of someday bringing the eastern Mediterranean under the sway of Rome. Consolidated Greek power in that region did not serve their interests. So they dispatched a legatus to meet Antiochus in the desert east of Egypt. The two men stood face to face as the legatus announced that the Roman Senate was ordering Antiochus to withdraw. Antiochus, who was quite cunning, said, I will go to my tent and think it over. But the legatus immediately reached out with the staff which he carried as a symbol of his authority, jabbing the base of the staff into the sand and proceeding to draw a circle which enclosed both men. He then announced, If you step out of this circle before I have your agreement, you thereby declare war on Rome. Antiochus reflected momentarily, then agreed to return home. Such was the power and the independence of the legatus. I share this story because it so powerfully illustrates the combination of independence and authority which are at the heart of delegation. Delegation is a very serious matter indeed. Every manager should want to do it well, and doing it well calls for proper preparation. Let's imagine, therefore, that you are preparing to delegate a duty or a set of duties to Susan, one of your direct reports. Here are eight factors to consider 
as you prepare to make that delegation. First is your purpose for delegation. What is your primary reason for making this move? Is it to buy more time for yourself by removing one or more tasks from your calendar? Is it to take advantage of Susan's superior mastery of a topic on which you are not as well informed? Is it to provide a developmental experience for Susan? Is it to maintain a critical continuity during periods when you are traveling extensively? Begin the delegation process by gaining clarity on your primary purpose and any secondary purposes for choosing to delegate this particular duty. This clarity of purpose will serve as a valuable point of reference for structuring the delegated duties and for choosing the way in which you approach the delegating conversation. Second is level of independence. Good delegation calls for finding the right balance between guidance and autonomy. You find that balance point by asking questions like these. How much autonomy is Susan to have? Will she be free to act without guidance from you or from others whom you may designate? To what extent is she to carry out her delegated duty independent of regular input or sign-offs from you? How much do you want her to collaborate with others? And if you want her to collaborate, who specifically should she include in this collaboration? Third is parity of authority and responsibility. To the degree that any amount of responsibility is transferred through delegation, there must be a commensurate transfer of authority. How much authority? That depends on the level of accountability which is levied on the party to whom you delegate the duty. The amount of delegated authority must be sufficient to make the level of accountability realistic. Therefore, Susan must be given sufficient authority to perform the duty for which she is accepting immediate responsibility. And the scope of her authority should be clearly spelled out in the delegating conversation. On the other hand, she should not be given authority which exceeds what the duty demands. The goal is to provide parity between her level of responsibility and her level of authority. If you are uncertain of this balance point, start off by providing slightly less authority than you think will be necessary and invite her to come back to you if she finds that her authority is insufficient. It is almost always less problematic to expand someone's authority when it's inadequate than to withdraw authority when it is excessive. Fourth are the parameters for making decisions. How much freedom should you give Susan in decision-making? You want to give her enough decision-making authority that she is not running back to you constantly to get approvals. On the other hand, you probably do not want to give her absolute freedom to make any decision whatsoever. So, how do you strike a proper balance? You strive to define guidelines and policies with sufficient detail that you can accept any decision which she makes within a reasonable interpretation of your guidance. Fifth are exceptions. 
Are there any exceptions which you want to provide for in the general guidance and policies which you give, Susan? For instance, you might want to make your own review of any correspondence that goes to a particularly testy or difficult customer. Or there may be certain communication on which you always want to be copied. Sixth are personality factors. How does Susan like to work? Does she prefer detailed guidance up front on how to get the job done? Or does she prefer to be given general guidance and work out the details for herself? Does she function best in settings where she has lots of options? Or does she work better in situations which are highly structured and procedures driven? Is she a good self-starter? Or does she require regular monitoring conversations to keep her on track? These factors, and others like them, should always be weighed when determining whether a particular employee is a good match for a duty to be delegated. Seventh are reporting and information cycles. How often do you want Susan to update you, and what reports do you want from her? How often? In what form? To the extent possible, avoid dropping these requirements on her after she is well underway in her new duties. Anticipate them in advance and discuss them as part of the delegation conversation. Eighth, our budget or resource constraints. If Susan is to have control of funding or other resources as part of her delegated duties, what limitations do you want to place on how she utilizes these tools? Again, it is far preferable to discuss these constraints at the outset rather than impose them after the fact in response to actions which she has taken and which fall outside of your preferences. These eight considerations, then, constitute my checklist for preparing to delegate. By way of summary, let me list them all together. The purpose for the delegation, the level of independence, the parity of authority and responsibility, parameters for decision-making, exceptions, personality factors, reporting and information cycles, and budget or resource constraints. Delegation, done well, leverages the skills and capabilities of your team. At the same time, it increases productivity and fosters the development of the most important resource of all, the people whom you lead. For a transcript of today's podcast, go to upsizeyourleadership.com, click on Episodes in the menu, and follow the download link for this episode. And take a moment today to subscribe to this podcast so that you can be the first to know when a new episode is ready. I look forward to our next opportunity to visit. Until then, find some way every day to upsize your leadership. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.